Good evening, everybody. Uh, this is Matt DeMarinas from White and Blue Review. I'm joined tonight by Jacob Padilla of Hale Varsity. Um, it is currently <laughs> it is currently 1.01 a.m. Wednesday, December 2nd. And we are up at this time because that's when we're usually up anyway. But uh, we're going to record a little wrap-up podcast for you all on Creighton's 94-67 win over the UNO Mavericks. Um, what would it be yesterday now? Um, <laughs> yeah. So Jacob had to go to Lincoln to uh, cover the Skurs. So he's back from that and looking forward to, I think, looking forward to jumping back into his memory bank from this game based on the one he watched in Lincoln. Am I correct about that? Yeah, uh, two very different styles, uh, how the game went today. Uh, we had a, a certain officiating crew that rarely officiates games that are fun to watch, and it's not just because they're Nebraska games. <laughs> Gets a little rough when those guys do the Creighton games as well. So um, that was that was a fun one down there. But uh, yeah, I'm glad to glad to be back here talking some Creighton basketball and f- filling some big shoes here for Johnny Atawa. I watched uh, a little, you know I was in and out of that Nebraska game um, with South Dakota, but I did notice that they teed up two players within like what three minutes. Of yep. The game. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't know what the first kid got his technical for, but I know Teddy. Teddy was so, very, Teddy was so yeah. Stanley Amude dunked on Thorier Thorby Arnarson and then started talking trash to him on the way back. Did the uh, the head pat too small thing, and apparently he said something. Maybe I don't know. Pretty weak, pretty weak uh, technical. It's not like he went over and got in his face or anything. Yeah. Uh, just kind of friendly trash talk that should be a part of basketball, especially at that level. And then yeah, Teddy. Teddy I think Teddy's technical was like just constructive criticism that the referee didn't appreciate probably because he <laughs> – Yeah, he, he got, got hacked off the got, arm. And... Yeah, he got a few non-calls that he was very verbal about. Was yeah. And, yep. Um, um, and, and got one happen. foul that he was verbal about. He got a foul that <laughs> called him. Yeah. Just, um, I told the kid to shut up. But at the yeah. same time, he had, a, he had a point. He had a point, though. Yeah, so. and, and that's always the tough part. But uh, and that that probably won't be his last technical. But um, no. like he's he's as Fred Hoiberg said, he's a he's a fiery dude. And people that saw him play here at Boys Town saw him play for OSA during the summer. Today was a was a vintage Teddy Hour game. So yeah. that's always fun whenever he kind of gets into the zone and starts Buck, putting up buckets, buckets buckets and technical fouls. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's uh let's jump into CU though if you can recall it, um because we did we watched the game together on Zoom, um yeah it's just like I don't know night and day from game one at least you know definitely in terms of the offensive end of the floor not only with you know shots falling which I guess is the easy mark but um, everything just looked more crisp uh, ball handling. Uh, you know, timing on screens and actions, everything just looked like it was a lot smoother. Like everybody was on the same page from a timing standpoint, uh, which helped things flow pretty, pretty effectively. What, I don't know what your impressions were. Well, um, what's kind of the, the, the phrase styles make fights. Uh, you're, you're the boxing guy, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah compare going from North Dakota state to Omaha is very different. Uh, a, opponent-wise and what they're trying to do and how they play. And I think that played part of it, too, in allowing Creighton to kind of settle in and get a, a good offensive flow going. Uh, North Dakota State, they're uh, are all about kind of mucking up the game. They crash the offensive glass really hard. They don't have any great individual scores, but um, like I said they, they tried to make the game ugly. And that's what it ended up being against Creighton is a lot of second chance points for North Dakota State, um, a lot of long possessions and things like that. Omaha likes to play up-tempo. They like to get up and down. Um, they probably took a few questionable shots uh, yeah. at, at different points in the shot clock today, and I think that allowed Creighton to kind of settle in on, on its side, get some easy transition buckets, get, get some opportunities where uh, the, the defense wasn't back and they're able to get secondary break options and 
all that kind of stuff. So that, that allowed them to kind of get off to a great start and then it just continued to roll the rest of the game. Yeah. I think UNO, like they did, they only had one day of prep, but I mean, UNO is like one of those teams where when you see them on the schedule and then when you watch them on film, the scout team, like their eyes kind of light up because they know they're going to be able to, they're going to kind of be able to get in their bag a little bit in practice in terms of helping their, uh, the main rotation guys prepare for that because it is kind of like a shoot first, ask questions later type of style. Um, and they're still trying to figure some things out. They lost some big pieces over the last couple of years and they're still working in some, some transfers and uh, some Juco guys and stuff like that. So uh, Marlon Ruffin got, has gotten off to a great start so far, but a yeah. lot of other guys haven't really got on track. So <laughs> not a great time for Omaha to be playing Creighton, but I'm sure that experience will only help them as they get into Summit League and try to kind of get better as the season goes on. And Ruffin looked really good again today. Um, we can talk about him a little bit later when we get into the defensive uh, parts of the ball game for Creighton. Um, but just offensively, uh, you know, I kind of want to start with Christian Bishop because yeah. I feel like he's been, um, you know, kind of like the on-court story that's developing here so far early in the season. You know, when you look at his second half that he had against North Dakota State, um, you know, led the team in scoring both games, which I don't think – I don't know if you – or just like to put odds on who do you think is going to lead the team in scoring the first two games? Like, I don't know how low Christian would be, but I can't imagine he'd be in the first three to four names people would be betting on, right? Probably fifth. Yeah. And that right? might even include, and he might still be fifth, even if you did know that Denzel was only going to play in one of the games. Right, 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 <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's just, I, I, you know, super impressed with like a few different aspects of his game. Um, obviously, the shooting is markedly improved uh you know he's knocked down a couple of baseline yeah you know 18 to 19 footers in that range uh so he showed that off a little bit even though the three he didn't make it but he took yeah one. even the one three he missed against North Dakota State I think he it was on the mark it was just long if I remember right um and then the free throw line is eight for nine so far I mean that's ridiculous that's huge yeah I mean if he's gonna because he's gonna he did draw quite a bit of fouls last year he did get to the line quite a bit you know, but he was around – he was just he was just south of 50%, I think, at the end of the day. Um, yeah, if he's, if he's north of 70, 75 in that range. Oh, yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's a huge boost, you know, just in terms of, like, stealing some points because he's going to be vital to that pick-and-roll game, um, putting pressure on the rim. Uh, I guess, you know, from what you're able to, to do so far – in these two games. I don't know if, if you've seen the whole North Dakota State one yet, but um, what stands out to you about what's different about Christian's game from year to year so far? Uh, well, it's basically what you just said is the, the, the jumpers that he's taking and hitting and then the free throws. I said after that first game, you, I'll, I'll take three out of four every game from him all season long. Like if I can lock that in right now, I'll take it based on how, how much he's struggled there uh, his first two seasons. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he's now hitting those at, at a good rate, he is a threat to take that catch and shoot mid range jumper. Um, is there, is there anything, is there any, cause you're kind of like a shot guy. Is there anything in the mechanics you see that, you know, whether it's from his footwork to his, to his form at the top of the release, that looks like, that looks like the re- these results should be kind of expected based, based on what he looks like. Yeah, I haven't really looked closely enough to see if, like, anything's changed. Um, the, the, the interesting thing is, like, I saw Christian play um, AAU. Uh, I saw him play a couple games. So I got a chance to see him in person before he got to Creighton. And he isn't a guy that was just kind of a rim runner, uh, pick and roll threat or whatever. He handled the ball at that level. And he was taking jumpers off the dribble. And stuff like that. So it's not like he was a pure five from the start. So I was always a little confused by how much he did struggle away from the basket early in his they, career. Because they almost made him a lefty. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, last we both, year, yeah. Yeah. They yeah. were having him shoot left-handed threes. Like, and, it, and it actually didn't look too bad. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was crazy that he could actually hit some of them. But, yeah. it, but it's wild to see, you know, the shooting progress, considering they weren't even sure if he was a right-handed like, – Which hand to shoot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I, it was kind of confusing there because, like, he – like, everybody – he was – like, you look at his evaluation coming out, it was a 
wing. It wasn't, he ended up playing the five at Creighton because that's what his skill set at that level ended up being. But that's not what people thought he was going to be. So now we're starting to see two years in, two and a few games in, that some of that other stuff is finally starting to click. And I know some people like talked about, oh, does this open up more two big lineups and things like that's that? That's what I was going to, that's what I was going to ask yeah. you. Yeah. I, I think we need to kind of uh, hit the brakes on that just a little bit. You notice today, uh, so the, the jumper was nice, but I, I'm still a little hesitant about him handling the ball out on the perimeter and taking that, that jump shot out on the perimeter and doing a lot of the things that Crayon asks its fours to do. I, I don't – one, if he's being guarded by fours, it's not as much of a mismatch. And honestly, right now, he's struggling a little bit at times to beat fives off the dribble. And you can see a lot of times it ends up whether he had, he had a travel today. I think he had kind of the first tr- attempt he took was kind of a wild shot off the backboard. And anytime we see him in the post, he kind of a lot of time it, it doesn't end well when he try, tries to create on his own. So I think the self-creation ability there uh, still needs some work before you feel comfortable playing him real minutes uh, in games that count out, other than the five because that takes away – kind of what he's best at and as that that pick and roll finishing threat and everything he's shown right now I think just makes him more dangerous in that role versus points to all right we need to move him into a different role so maybe that might be down the low down the, the line but right now I like the way they use him today yeah but, and also to that point you know he's he's definitely undersized at the five but isn't he kind of like the new age college five right like yeah. maybe not maybe not the NBA five you know he's got to have some more length to him there but he seems like a new like if they're gonna if they're gonna do you know basically a five out offense he's pretty much fits the mold of the five you want right yeah and again he's continuing to progress towards that and I just think where he is right now he, he's so dangerous and he can create for others out of those opportunities I like him better as that kind of the handoff the catch at the top of the key and take one, two dribbles, make a play versus where you're handling it out. You're running the dribble weave. You're getting the ball swung to you and attacking off the bounce from the wing. Those are kind of different skill sets. And I think he's good at the former right now and has really unlocked a lot in Crane's offense because of that. I think the latter still is kind of a work in progress. And the other, the other end of it is the defensive end of the floor because when you get in those one-five ball screens, he has the athleticism and quickness, especially <laughs> oh. in the footwork. To um, kind of like yeah. to, to extend those those those, yeah. uh, those those ball screens out to the mid court line and get back to well, the five. Heck, Jess settles uh, in these first two games as uh, started the uh, Christian Bishop for Defensive Player of the Year nationally campaign. Like he, he said that in both games, and I'm like, <laughs> wow, that 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 is aggressive. <laughs> yeah. Do it to, do uh, it to like the Jer- Jer- Jeremiah Robinson Earls of the World. Maybe we'll talk about. Yeah, <laughs> but so. yeah, but it, no, but it does look like he's getting into that. Martin Crample range where yeah. Martin got really effective at heating up ball screens in his junior season. Um, you know, that's, it looks like Christian's on that trajectory to, to be another effective five man who can kind of be disruptive on the perimeter and, and still get back and recover and, and be, you know, somewhat of a presence at the rim and on the defensive glass. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know if you kind of want to transition from there, but the production, the, the whole center position as a whole today, they got 40 minutes of great center production, obviously starting with Christian, but he, he did all that in what, 17 minutes? Um, yes. Because yep. they, they were able to get Jacob Epperson and Ryan Kalk for really good minutes. And both those guys produce. I mean, it would have been even better if uh, uh, Ryan had missed a couple or made a couple of those bunnies he missed late uh, on some good moves. He just couldn't finish. But overall, if you get that kind of production out, out of your centers, with 34 points in 40 minutes and really efficient from the field, uh, yeah. a couple of blocks and a couple more altered shots. I think I, I tweet about this during the game, but that's that you look at this team compared to last year. That's one thing that is different and gives this team a chance to have a different kind of ceiling than what we saw last year. It makes, them, as these, it the makes guys them really, I mean, how do you guard that? Like you yes. essentially have to, disrupt certain things and hope the auxiliary parts aren't yeah. aren't going to make you pay for it, right? Like if you try to take yeah. a Marcus Zagorowski and a Mitch Ballack out of the game and just hope the other guys who aren't 
at that level of shooting prowess, like you hope they have an average night and you probably yeah. have a chance, right? But yep. there's just so many weapons. Um, and, and, to, and to your point about the centers, like we talked about this while we were watching the game. Yeah. What Creighton's offense from the spacing that they have, um, what it creates on in that pick and roll situation, yeah. giving centers those five those five players um, the space to catch and finish without having too much, you know, too much help defense crowded around yeah. them. Like, what do you see from a tactical standpoint that Creighton does really well? Um, that allows them to create space on that weak side of the floor for those flip ups, uh, where you know where it doesn't have to be a clean catch and slam. Yeah. Where well, it can kind of be, yeah. you know, they can kind of take their time sometimes. Well, and that yeah, that's the comment that I made while we were watching too. Is that no matter who they throw out there, whoever's setting that screen, they all have such massive catch radiuses because yes. they've got such good touch at redirecting the ball into the basket, even if they can't dunk it. And I, I think today they had more kind of redirections. Uh, than actual slams today on those those flip-up passes. And I think a lot of it is just the tempo and the spacing and the timing and the way they move the ball, where you, you get the ball swung and then in the backside, whatever you're running in your screen, whatever you're doing on the backside to try to um, keep them uh, distracted over there as you're already going into the ball screen. So you've got guys shifting on the backside, moving from one spot to another. The defense is trying to figure out, all right, who's got what? Um, off of this action. Meanwhile, you're running that that pick and roll, and if uh, if, if the slips there, if, if they jump it, whoever has the the ball, he these coaches have coached these guys so well through this offense that they're such good decision makers, and they're able to kind of read the situation and know exactly where the ball is supposed to go most of the time, and they get really good looks out of it. So whether it's Balik, whether it's Zagorowski is obviously the best at it, but all of their guys that handle it out on the perimeter can make that pass. I think Denzel had a really nice pass today where he could have, could have forced up a mid-range jumper, maybe something that he would have uh, done that, that, that kind of the first month that he was playing last season, but he dumped it back down uh, for a big guy to finish. And Antoine has been a really good passer coming in here. So no matter who has the ball, they're all really good decision makers. And that's, that's uh, kind of, demonstrated by Creighton's assist turnover ratio for two games. Yeah, I think one of the things you mentioned in the spacing, because one sequence I can recall in the second half where Christian did get a clean finish uh, on a catch and dunk at the rim on, on one of those flip-ups was Mitch, uh, Mitch Ballack, who, who, you know, it's funny because he's going to look like an afterthought in this box score. Yeah. Um, I think five points, maybe two or three shots. Yeah, two, yeah, one or two from three. Man, I, I didn't even look at his stat line after the game. Right? Uh, so that's, that's what yeah. I'm saying. So he's a little bit of an afterthought. But what that dude knows how to do is, like, something that, you know, we kind of joke about when we watch, um, like, the Warriors and Steph, right? We talk about that, like, magnifying effect where, like, wherever Steph's on the floor, he's dragging the majority of the defense with him because of how much space or how far out he can be a threat, right? Yeah. Yep. So Mitch, Mitch Ballack on the where, where Christian caught the clean lob and dunked it, Mitch is coming, you know, kind of on like a little curl action. And he doesn't, you know, some guys would like space to the corner and think that's like kind of a good spot to be. Uh, but when they're running that pick and roll action, if he's in the corner, a defender can kind of be baseline yeah. and, and affect that flip up and, and, you know, make it a tough finish for Christian. What Mitch did instead of going to the corner was he shifted out to the to the wing, almost to the top of the key, really. Yeah. So what he's doing is he's taking a defender completely off the baseline, almost completely out of the paint because of how yeah. how much you have to respect him on the perimeter. And Christian's got the whole that whole side of the floor to catch it, fumble it, do whatever he wants with yeah. it. Like he's got <laughs> no. There is no way anyone's taking that ball away from him. Yeah, uh, you know, that's you just, that's really, all yeah, you can't really tag him up top and. and because he's going to keep rolling to the basket. So you can tag him, but it's not going to do any good. They're still right. going to have time. He's going to keep rolling, and then you better get back, or that's a kick to, to Mitch there for that three. So there's Yeah, not, because that's, that's the read Marcus has. Marcus yeah. has the flip-up read, and if you tag that, like you said, that means you're letting Mitch get open, which is what North Dakota State did. They tagged that flip-up a lot, and they let Creighton shooters kind of have space, and they just banked on them being cold, which they were. Um, 
But Marcus's read there is flip up to the rim based on what he sees on that backside action defensively, or, you know, that, that little kind of like over the shoulder read to Mitch where he kind of throws it back and he gets the open three, you know, and that's a, you know, it's almost like a pick your poison play when you execute it that well from a spacing standpoint. And that's why Creighton's so potent offensively is because all their guys are really good at their roles within this offense. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about Denzel Mahoney because you brought him up. Obviously, he was the uh, the new addition to the team today. Um, he opted out of the first game um, because, you know, I think pretty wisely. He had practice. Like, yeah. yeah, he hadn't practiced coming out of quarantine yet. Um, and as much as kind of everybody wants to see this team get into a rhythm as early as possible and get, get games in, you kind of have to be smart because, you know, you don't want to get guys hurt just trying yeah. to. Go out there, strain a hamstring or something after. Yeah, and then it never. Yeah, and that's something that you know, it never goes away the rest of the season. Basically, yeah, exactly. And, and um, he'd been in isolation, so it's not like he just wasn't practicing. Like he couldn't really exercise very much. So, yeah, smart decision. I'm glad he's able to get those couple extra days to kind of get in the gym and loosen up. And certainly showed no signs of rust. <laughs> Came out firing right. right away and yeah, you know, him down early. Corner three right away. I think he ended up five of seven. I yep. mean. <laughs> If you're Six and nine for, overall, 17 points Yeah, in 22 if, minutes. So if you're, I mean, efficiency was the name of the game today for a lot of players, but to see Denzel come off of quarantine and one practice and be that efficient, <laughs> that's kind of, I mean, it's kind of scary to think about yeah. what he's possibly done to make himself better on the perimeter offensively and more of an impact because obviously we, we all know that the, the, the question, the cloud around this team is how they're going to replace um, Tyshawn Alexander's value on both ends of the floor. And Denzel Mahoney was kind of a guy that everybody assumed would fill that gap. But yeah. filling that gap is harder to do. I mean, it's easier to say than it is to have someone do if they're not, yeah. if they're not actively trying to make those improvements and fit that role. Did you see anything today from Denzel's game that lets you – that gave you more of an indication – um, that he's capable of filling the Tyshawn fleet. Yeah, um, so I, I did mention that pass he made earlier. Um, I think that's uh, – and that you've talked about as well, like his, his assist turnover ratio in practice has been miles better than it was last year. Mm -hmm. And um, so if, if he's making those pass and reads into addition, in addition to knocking down the shots he is, that makes him – that makes the offense that much more dangerous because now you really have no good option. And obviously the five of seven from three was nice. Uh, the, the one two-pointer made was um, that nice little kind of one dribble pull up from the, the, the elbow that he's so good at and likes a lot. So he's that, that guy that can score at all three levels. And Tyshawn was kind of that guy for this team last year. He wasn't, wasn't necessarily dynamic with the ball in his hands and creating looks, but he was a guy that could get to that mid-range and knock down a tough shot. He could get to the rim and finish um, when he needed to, when the, the situation presented itself, in addition to shooting at a high rate from three. So that was kind of the one question, because Mitch isn't really, like, he's, he's worked hard to add the, the, kind of that, that scoop shot at the rim and um, some of that other stuff, but that's not really his game. Like, it's good to have a guy like Mahoney that can step in and be a little bit more of that self-creator in addition to uh, Zagorowski. So uh, it was good to see that. Uh, I think the, the biggest question that we still don't have answered today is uh, just based on what UNO threw at him is what does Creighton do defensively against some of the, the better wings that they're going to see uh, with, with Kansas coming up and then in, in, in the Big East? Because we saw at the start of that North Dakota State game that, that starting five just did not come out with much fire offensively. And North Dakota State was kind of getting to the rim way too easily early in the game. And that changed when they sub – Sharif Mitchell and then put him on Sam Greasel, uh, their 6'6 point guard from Lincoln East uh, for the Bison. And he really – he's, he's so good at moving his feet and kind of heating up ball handlers and making life miserable. The problem is he's – his height, whatever he, they've got him listed at. There's, and, a ceiling, there's a ceiling there that yeah. Tyshawn could exceed, right? Yeah. Yes. And, and, you and you talked it. about that before, I think, in yeah. podcast we did last summer or this summer. Yeah. Because, um, you know, Tyshawn could, yeah. could guard up maybe – one or two positions more than 
it would probably be really realistic to ask Sharif. Yeah. Yeah, and Shreve did a really good job against uh, Griso, and even he, there were two, three plays where Griso being six six, there just wasn't anything that Shreve could do. So, not having, I think Denzel is the guy that uh, Greg McDermott has been kind of trying to groom to fill that role um, with Tyshawn moving on. Um, obviously, I think Damian Jefferson kind of wants to be a, a guy that can fill that role and take on some tough defensive assignments as well. But um, uh, I think John Nietzsche had a great article, um, kind of a practice story talking about the way they put Mahoney with the second unit. So he had a chance to go up and match up with all their guards on the first team to get him ready. And then yeah, went, to get him and ready to, to. And then he went to quarantine. Yeah, that, yeah. that happened. But uh, <laughs> uh, but to, to kind of get him ready for all the different types of wings they're going to see in the Big East. And um, you mentioned Marlon Ruffin had a good game, 17 points, pretty efficient from the field. And he had some tough jumpers. But for the most part, Omaha's guards struggled again today. And we didn't, they didn't really have, uh, again, outside of Ruffin, uh, kind of a go-to wing that, you, that would worry you. And so – this wasn't a great test of, all right, how are they going to defend on the wings against a better team? So uh, that's kind of one thing we'll see. Can Jefferson fill that role? And I, I don't think he moves his feet as well as Tyshawn. I mean, few people do. He went and set, uh, posted the highest uh, um, agility time at, at the combine, I believe. Well, I got lowest agility time, uh, best. But um, he actually did. What, get, what, so I think he actually finished second. Someone, okay, beat someone, him. someone beat yeah. him eventually, but yeah, he so, at the, really at the good time, at the time he ran it, it was the all time record. Yeah, yeah you're, you're right. But uh, I think Denzel is a different type of defender, he's more physical, he's stronger, and he's got pretty darn good length. And we kind of we've seen some big moments defensive of him last year, kind of most notably that Providence game where Marcus hit the game winner that with Tyshawn kind of banged up and struggling, he switched on to David Duke and forced a turnover there late. Yep, yep. Um, so that's kind of the biggest question now. Because the other question was, all right, so if, if Denzel Mahoney is stepping into that Tyshawn role, who steps into Denzel role? And I think the answer is Antoine Jones, and he's, yep. he, he's ready to fill that role for sure. I mean, he looks – he looks – I'm just really impressed with the decision-making, first of all. Because, like, oh, you feel like he's kind of like a wild card because he's super skilled and he knows he's super skilled. So you kind of worry about those guys doing too much sometimes, um, getting outside the system and, and kind of making some mistakes because they're just kind of overplaying it a little bit. Well, and, um, Mac, and, and even, Mac even talked about that. Like that's kind of what he said about Antoine anytime he's talked about him. It's like, yeah, we're really excited about his ability and his potential. We just got to make sure that he's making the right plays and not trying to do too much and all that stuff. And through two games – uh, that's certainly been the case. Eight assists to one turnover. Yeah, in two games. that's that's like like I said earlier. I don't know how you guard this team if that's the kind of production you're getting. You know, what I mean? yeah, from those certain spots. Like that's what Christian's putting up. And that's what Antoine's doing um, as the sixth man. That's a really really dangerous lineup. That's almost funny to think about. Um, uh, but it's funny. Well, I, I know I know the styles were different, but is just the versatility of Antoine to come. He goes into the starting lineup because Denzel isn't ready on Sunday. And then he comes off the bench on Tuesday because Denzel is back in the lineup. Yet I felt like his, you know, his production was better today. And I know the style of game was different. So there was more, you know, opportunity for him to, you know, offensively anyway. But it just, you know, for that to be as consistent as it was in his first two games after coming off of basically a year and year plus of not playing in games, to be that consistent in two different roles, I was really – I think that's maybe the part I didn't talk about enough during the game was how consistent he's been despite playing kind of two different roles starting versus, you know, playing with that first unit versus coming off the bench and playing with different rotations. Yeah, uh, that's certainly impressive. And um, kind of looking back, a, a lot of his production in that first game, at least scoring-wise, that was all, all in kind of one big burst at the start. Yes, it was. I think he, he, kind had, of nine, I think he had nine points in a quick flurry, right? Yeah. And he kind of struggled the rest of the night, um, at least scoring-wise. So today was kind of more of a spread out. He made plays throughout the game. And, um, I mean, he'll, so 
through two games, it's what twenty three points, eleven rebounds, eight assists, in yeah. in whatever minutes he played the each game, like twenty some minutes. So yeah, twenty six minutes the first game and uh, twenty two today. So all that in you get that three, out of hit a three in both games out of the foul line a lot in both games. Like yeah, yeah, twenty three, eleven and eight in forty eight minutes. Like you'll take that all season long. Like that's and that's kind of. Uh, so in addition, we, we talked about the centers and kind of the added dimension that those guys bring with Jacob and Ryan as kind of the, the, the rim protectors in addition to the, the lob finishers that, that Christian is and, and also the, the post ability that Ryan has shown um, flashes of so far. So you add those two. And then like obviously that Tyshawn Denzel one-two punch uh, in the lineup and then off the bench, that was really tough. But I think this this Denzel Antoine combination has a chance to be just as good and not, and even a little different. Uh, I think Antoine's a little bit more well-rounded of a player than either of those guys um, in, in the way that he, he doesn't shoot as well as Tyshawn. And that's kind of the question that we're still waiting to see is, all right, what kind of shooter is he? Uh, he was 34% on limited attempts at, at Memphis, which right. that, that's right. good enough to that you're not going to tell him not to shoot, but it's not – to the point where it makes him a real weapon back there. <clears throat> Correct. But you add kind of his versatility and then those bigs off the bench, as good as that team was and the shooting was a big part of that and Tyshawn's defense, I think this, this team has a chance to have a higher ceiling than last year's if it can, if it can kind of keep continuing to fire on all cylinders. Uh, on, the, on the big men that you, that you brought up again, you know, we talked about their production, but – just taking Christian Bishop out of the equation. Uh, I do, I, you know, I think, you know, 23 minutes out of Ryan Cockburn and Jacob Everson. I mean, first of all, I think that's a sweet spot. I mean, arguably more than what you'd probably expect from them on a nightly basis, considering you probably think you have Christian closer to 30 if it's a, you know, yeah. a, a closer game and a better opponent, right? Um, depending on the matchup. But I mean, what, 16 points, 10 rebounds? I think they had a, a block shot. Each had a block shot, right? Yep. Uh, what do they have? One turnover between the two of yep. them? Okay. Correct. Um, so one turnover between the two of them. Each had a block shot. Uh, 16 and 10. I think they both missed two shots. Uh, but no, Ryan was five of 10, and Jacob okay. was three of six. So they 16 points on 16 shots. That's not great, but no. like I said, I think a couple of those were Ryan at the end. He had a chance to – he was kind of creating for himself late and uh, missed a couple of bunnies at the end that could have gone, and then Jacob had that kind of weird up-and-under thing where he got caught in the air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that, that didn't go well, and, but uh, it was good. It was good to see him get down that, that dunk, um, get his first points back because he didn't, he didn't uh, make any field goals in that first game had a couple of nice blocks or whatever, but that, that's been huge from this first I think his bounce has looked good, all things considered. Yeah, right? that's like, a, like his... he's looked good physically. Yeah. He's put mm-hmm. on some weight, um, which he obviously has needed to do since he got here, and he, he looks good. And so now you've got three legitimate centers. Obviously, they're going to continue to keep his, his minutes down, but three minutes each half from Jacob yeah. out there as a rim protector and as a finisher – and uh, eventually as kind of a four spacer, if he can get back to um, where we thought he was going to be as a, as a shooter, um, like that's going to be huge. Again, just heck you get three, three minutes from him, three, four minutes from Ryan kind of, you can go with whatever matchup works best for the game coming off the bench behind Christian. Mm-hmm. Again, that's 40 minutes of quality center uh, production. What's, right? what's, the, what's the, like the, what's the value in, it, what it does for Creighton's ceiling overall of success to have not just capable players that can – like a, a three deep at a position as crucial as rim protection at the five. But three who, you know, can do it at a pretty high level, even if they're doing it in a shorter spurt, right? Like, so, yeah. you know, Jacob's not going to be playing um, a five-minute stretch, right? Like, he's going to be – basically giving one of the other two a breather so they can get back into the main rotation, you know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, he can present, you know, rim protection, 
Um, if he's playing a three or four minute burst, it's, you know, he's got fouls to give. Yeah. At your, at your third rotation guy. Um, he's obviously experienced in the pick and roll game that Creighton runs where he knows what he's supposed to do from, from a timing standpoint, which I thought for him was a little off in the first game as I would expect it to be. Yeah. What was better today. Correct. Um, in what he was able to create for himself in terms of catches near the rim. You mentioned that catch radius earlier. Um, like, what's the value in terms of what it does for creating ceiling to have a guy all the way down into your three deep at the five spot that can do those sorts of things from rim protection and pressure on the rim at the five spot offensively? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it means that, one, it takes so much pressure off um, everybody else defensively. And – Give, and again, that kind of that, that lob threat, the gravity of having that, that pick and roll threat. Uh, as, as much as Kelvin Jones improved last year and as hard as he played, teams weren't worried about him. He, he made a few big plays in, in different moments and credit to him for that. But again, they, they weren't worried about him. And he wasn't a guy that often was going to come in and help you build a lead. You're just hoping to buy time until Christian could get back out there or you had to go to the, that small ball unit. Now you've got a chance to, no matter who you roll out there, you can kind of keep that presence there. You can hopefully build as you bring in a couple bench pieces. And you just think about that. You, you have Christian kind of run and with Creighton's pace, what that's going to do to opposing big men, you've got uh, Christian out there running up and down the court for the first four minutes, then or first eight minutes or so. Then you got Ryan coming in from, uh, the, the under 12 to under eight timeout. Then you got Jacob coming in from the under eight to the under four. And then you bring Christian back fresh to close out the half. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the first half, um, th- those big guys, if teams kind of rely on one guy and they don't have as much depth, they're going to be tired defending all those ball screens and running yeah. up and down in transition. Meanwhile, Creighton can always throw out a fresh body there. So that's going to be huge. Just the ability to kind of come at you in waves. And I, I mentioned, I, I thought kind of that's what we'd have this year is kind of that three-headed center rotation, thick, uh, looking back to Martin Crample and Christian, his freshman year when he came in for Jacob, and then Sam Froling. You kind of had the three guys there, and, um, you, and Greg McDermott kind of just played the matchups and rolled with whoever was giving him the best look that day. And so he had three different options to choose from. Now you've got that same thing where they do offer a little bit different, each of them individually. They've got their own unique strengths, um, but they can also play the same way when you've got all three out there. You don't necessarily have to change. Maybe you'll give uh, Kalkbrenner an extra post-touch or, or two that you, would, that you wouldn't normally. But for the most part, you can kind of keep doing what you're doing and wearing teams down um, no matter who's in there. And if you're, if you're just doing like apples to apples on that three – on that trio from a couple of years ago to this one now, like if Christian is at Martin's level, which so far through two games, it looks like he's ahead of schedule because Martin wasn't at this level to start his junior year because he was coming off the injury. Yep. Um, so, so Christian's a little ahead of, a little ahead of, ahead of schedule in what was Martin's career year, basically. Um and we have no reason to think it's not going to continue to translate because, um, as Gregory Durant mentioned, both in the preseason and again today, Christian's been practicing at a really, a really high level so far throughout the preseason. And other than Sharif Mitchell was a candidate for probably the guy who improved the most yeah. um, from year to year uh, last spring to now. Um, and then the other so, thing. So, so if you expect that to just continue on that trajectory, he's ahead of schedule where Martin was as a junior. Uh, Ryan, as a true freshman, is probably uh, ahead of schedule from where Sam well, and, heck, and Christian were, right? To, to take what uh, Greg said, he said all three of the centers he have right now are playing at a higher level than Christian was at the start of last year. Right. And that's sophomore Christian coming off that experience from that freshman year mm-hmm. where he and Sam were kind of at the same level back and forth, depending on what the matchup was after Jacob got hurt. 
So you got two guys higher than everyone's last. And then you have Jacob as an added bonus, basically, whatever he's able to give you physically on a nightly basis. Um, That is just – it's super skilled, even if it's a little war-torn, right? Like, I mean, so the situation they're in at that spot, I can't remember one where they've been like that before at the five, where they've had, A, the depth, and – uh, you know, it's not necessarily the skill from a versatility standpoint, but it's a skill from a standpoint that no one else on the floor can replicate, right? Yeah. Because of the pressure they put on the rim and because of what they do to protect it on the other end, to cover up for mistakes, you know, whether it's in ball screen coverages or dribble drives, um, that sort of thing. Like, they're ahead – that's that's a group just in terms of the position that I think – I can't – I don't know if there's a comparison to that, whether how skilled they are right now. And that's the scary thing about this team. And because all everybody, all anything anybody ever talks about are the guards and Mm -hmm. just how, how good their guards are and their three point shooting ability. And that's kind of what everybody talks about with Creighton. And obviously that goes with the let it fly brand that they've done so well with and all that kind of stuff. But obviously Zagorowski and Balak were the big names. And if, people were paying even more attention. You would have heard Mahoney. And then a lot of people were really excited about Antoine and seeing what he could do. Christian was not, it was always kind of the, the afterthought. So yeah. now if you've got Christian being on par with those other guys, in addition to what those, the, those other guys off the bench can do, like that, th- this has a chance to be a really scary team if they can kind of keep this level up against better competition. Let's talk about Marcus Zagorowski real quick and then yeah. wrap up on the defensive end of the floor. Um, obviously, the you know, between him and, and Mitch in game one, they really struggled with the outside shot. But, you know, and it looked like Marcus got off to a little bit of a slow start in that regard again today. But then I guess he first hit, two, yeah. Yeah, I think he hit like three out of four in one stretch, and the one miss was a long, a deep one that he had to get up late in the shot clock. That yep. was just a little long off the iron. Um, but it looked like he made a, you know, he kind of looked like more like Marcus from that, from that aspect. And then obviously, you know, the career high 11 assists, only two turnovers, which one of them we were, wasn't we were both business. watching live and we were like, I don't know if that one's a Marcus turnover. Yeah. Um, so yeah, 11 assists, two turnovers, uh, in 29 minutes. So again, he, he stayed under 30. Um, he hit some shots. And he obviously distributed the ball at a really high level, arguably the best he's ever done in his career yeah. so far. Like, what did you think out of so far day two out of Marcus of the season? Um, yeah. Cons- considering we know that his timing's not quite right yeah. uh, compared to where it was last spring. Yeah. So the first and foremost, it was good to see those shots go down. And especially, um, I'm trying to, I think it was the second one where he had hit just one before the second one on the next position or possession defense didn't come out he walked up into an nba3 and drink yeah. it like top yeah, of the that, key like that's, that's when you know that's curry pull up yeah. yeah that that's when you know like all right he's feeling it he's feeling good right now and if the defense isn't going to respect it he's going to put it he's going to sink it in your eye um so that was kind of like all right he's back um this this is a marcus that we were that we saw at the end of last year and and we, we talked about just how good they are at running this spread pick and roll offense and he just picked them apart with his passes. Again, like you mentioned, career high 11 assists. And on target, there, there was a mix of making the right play with kind of some more advanced creation. Um, and that's kind of how you get to 11 assists where um, you just kind of create a little bit on your own in addition to what the offense uh, gives you there. So that's what makes him so special is he's the kind of point guard that can – exploit your weaknesses defensively no matter what they are and we're seeing we've already seen a few um both games he had some really nice kind of fit crafty finishes at the rim um in addition to shooting the ball well in this game and again that that kind of off the dribble off the dribble pull up three that's kind of one of the things that is a real game changer for defensive defenses because it warps how you can defend teams um so much if you have to guard that guy off the dribble from 25 feet. With, really a, head steam, with, with, with yeah. a head of steam, right? Because yeah. you're either you, – if you come and overplay his pull-up, you're getting blown by. Yeah. It's just not humanly possible 
to take away both, right? Like you'd have to be a freakishly good defender. And that's where the pick and roll becomes unguardable is when they can score, when they're so good at every option that comes out of that pick and roll, Mm -hmm. there is, you're picking your poison and it's going to kill you every single time. So as long as they're playing well, there's not a lot, like we'll see kind of some longer defenses where they can kind of make those plays tougher, um, Mm -hmm. kind of, shrink those windows for making the passes and getting the shots off but against a lot of average defenses you're there's not really much they're going to be able to do and and that starts with a point guard like Marcus so I I think kind of these first few games the biggest the biggest thing with these first few games in addition to kind of working Antoine in and kind of figuring out what his role was was getting Marcus back to himself because all this is leading up to that Kansas game, and they, they had a rock fight with uh, Kentucky tonight, managed to pull that one out. But that was, uh, that was some ugly. You thought you watched an ugly one in Lincoln. That was a hard. That was a hard watch tonight. Yeah, Kansas I, shot thirty. I, Kansas shot thirty percent one. Like, yeah, <laughs> I just like what in the heck am I watching? Until the last six minutes or so, there was a grand total. I think uh, the teams were three for thirty combined from three. Oh, nice. And, and, and then Davion hit one to kind of uh, give give Kentucky its second three <laughs> mm-hmm. in the last two games after they went over in the previous game uh, yeah. against Richmond. But, yeah, so that's kind of – all. these first three games are all about ramping up to that game. And this was a great second step for Marcus. He, again, he only – he only took seven threes. He made three of them. Um, that's not not going to get his uh, percentage back to where we're used to seeing it after that first game. Uh, but the important thing is he kept shooting them. And now in the second game, he got some good looks and he knocked them down. So hopefully this next one, uh, maybe we get a 20 points in 25 minutes type of performance uh, coming up in this next game or whatever that kind of lets you know, all right, he's really bad. Yeah. Um, let's finish up defensively here before we, you know, call it a night for ourselves. Um, Cause you, you mentioned, you mentioned previously, um, that it's kind of hard to judge it because they haven't faced, a, you know, a talented set of wings that are going to have to be, if not one or multiple, kind of taken out of taken out of rhythm. Like Tyshawn was able to get take guys out of rhythm. Um, so that test is still kind of like waiting out there to be, you know, for them. Um, however. You know, and Gray Rinder mentioned it in the post game today that he, he felt like they did take a step forward defensively from one game to the next. Um, and I think, the you know, the way, he, you know, he kind of assessed it is what UNO likes to do is, you know, play up and down, play with plays, play in transition, um, you know, score against, score against mismatches, broken defenses, all that kind of thing. And what he was pleased with was that Creighton was able to make UNO a quarter-court team, like make them execute quarter-court offense um, against a set defense, against a defense that has scouting report principles. And when you think about Creighton and how scouting report heavy they've been, the fact that they were able to implement that and make UNO play on their terms that they were dictating defensively, that's probably a sign that they did have a good defensive game, even though Marlon Ruffin – was incredibly efficient. Um, he's obviously – when you see how good he was, you're immediately going to go, okay, well, they're going to face better wings than that. If they held, if he got 18 on 12 shots – In 21 you know, minutes. In 21 minutes, is someone else capable of getting 30-plus, you know, on 15 to 20 shots in 30 to 35 minutes, right? So that's the concern. Yeah. And, um, and the question – with him, too, a lot of those kind of did – come later in the game where Creighton had already kind of pulled away. So sure. you're wondering, well, how tight to this, the, the scouting report were they at that point? Yeah, were they, were they basically um, playing the scoreboard at that point? Yeah. 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 So, but um, early so, on, but, but, but just your, your thoughts on Max's assessment that from a scouting report standpoint, they wanted to make UNL a quarter yeah. team. And for the most part, they did that because, you know, they took care of the ball. They only had 12 turnovers. I think UNL had seven steals out of those 12 turnovers, so live ball seven live ball turnovers there, only 14 fast break points, only 14 points off those turnovers. Um, you know, just in what you saw out of them being able to make UNO a quarter court team and also 
uh, an inefficient quarter court team because they didn't shoot the ball very well. And you know, took a lot of tough kind of like contested yes. in between shots. Yeah. And those are the shots that Crane absolutely wants to give up. And they, they did miss some open threes uh, that I, I think uh, better teams will hit. Uh, you, Omaha's just struggled so much offensively at, uh, this early in the season, particularly kind of from their guards. Uh, Ruffin is the one guy that's been consistently producing for them. But an impressive thing, too, was Matt Pyle, three points on one of three shooting. Um, they in, in 25 minutes, and that is a he's undersized, but he is a beast inside. He's so strong, mm-hmm. and I that was I was kind of wondering how that matchup would go for Creighton's centers because all three are slight. Um, uh, I think Pyle probably weighs more than all three of them, so mm-hmm. uh, he's a guy that you think would be able to. He's not a he's not an advanced scorer down low. Um, he's not a guy that's going to give you 20 a game uh, just creating on his own. But he is a guy that can get you, hit you with a double-double. He is strong enough to carve out space. Uh, he does have a little jump hook and stuff like that. And they limit him to one field goal in only three attempts. So I think that kind of shows that Creighton was doing a good job within its game plan and forcing the right guys into taking uh, some tough shots. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. And it's going to be interesting to watch going forward because, like like we've alluded to, there are questions still out there on that end of the floor. Um, the one thing we do, you know, we can probably add to the equation that wasn't there last year is the rim protection. Being able to erase mistakes that Creighton probably didn't have the luxury of making at any point last year, right? Because if they don't – if they're not on their game in terms of what they – allow to get into the paint they probably weren't protecting it very well at that point yeah. at, you know at any point last year this year there's a little bit of margin for error a little bit more margin for error there in terms of if they get beat you know on a certain directional drive or you know make a mistake in coverage that there is something there is something either with with christian jacob or ryan on the floor that can help either erase those mistakes entirely or make those shots still difficult to finish um once they get to that point on the floor. So that is an element of the defense that, you know, we'll probably have more to say in terms of how good they are on that end of the floor, um, even if they're not as high in on the perimeter like they were last year. So that'll be worth watching for sure. Um, but, yeah, I do appreciate you hopping on. I know it's late, you know, for everyone on the earth. Um, but we did knock this out short of box, so I think that's a good goal to finish on. Uh, it does sound like a little bit of a revolving door um, based on just the circumstances we're dealing with right now. So I do hope, you know, to have you back on for sure because I love your, I love your insight and your basketball mind and, uh, you know, just chatting with you in general. But, you know, I do appreciate you hopping on, coming back from Lincoln and, you know, jumping back into the memory bank uh, to remember, recall what you saw from Creighton today. So I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. It's always fun talking Jays basketball. Yeah, for sure, right? Wish you were covering it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, buddy. Be well. Talk to you soon.